0: Giants fans, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Only a Giant. I have a lot I want to get to today, so we're just going to kind of jump right into it. I have the beer of the episode I'd like to do. I'm also going to do just a little short mock draft. I know it's way too early for this, so you know, it's might as well call this the way too early mock draft. Uh, but I'm going to do up to pick 11, which is where the Giants pick. So... I'm gonna do that, and I also have an interview that I wanna to, wanna to run for you guys too. It's actually my first ever interview for this episode, so I was a little nervous for it. I had um, a guy by the name of Mark Jones join me, who actually played football for the University of Tennessee from 1986 to 1991. He had some uh, he had some some attempts to play in the CFL, but had some injury issues. And then he ended up going on and playing in the German football league and had a great career there. He, I believe we we didn't actually talk about this in the episode, but I believe I remember him talking to me about this. He actually had a chance to come back and play in the NFL, or at least attempt to play in the NFL, but decided he wanted to get his own business going and, and kind of start his life outside of football. So I'm pretty excited about that interview and Let's let's get right into it. Let's go. So, the beer of choice for this episode is an Other Half Brewing Beer, which is a, a, little, a brewery in Brooklyn, New York. It's a double dry hopped Phantom Diamonds IPA. So, right down my alley, it's 6.7% ABV. I found this at Wegmans, and it was kind of like a special release that they had, where... You could only buy, I think it was like two cases, or sorry, not two cases, two, four packs of this beer. So obviously I had to get it. I do like a lot of other half beer. So yeah, I figured I might as well just get this and give it a go. So I'm going to do the same thing I've done pretty much every other one. I'm kind of rating this based off of the initial taste. I'm rating it on Untapped, where you can find me at. Uh, only a giant podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at only a giant underscore 86 Instagram onlyagiantpodcast. Find me anywhere, really. I'm on Facebook as well, so hit up, hit that up, link up with me, whatever, and uh, let's have some fun. So here we go. So after last week's kind of dud, this one definitely. Lives up to the expectations of another half beer. Very tasty, very tasty. Smooth isn't overpowering, but it kind of is at the same time. But it's just because it's so smooth, it really doesn't hit you as being overpowering. Let's see what the average rating on Untapped is. It's a 4.16. I think I'd give it a solid four. Four is what I'm going to go with. And I think. For me, that's a pretty good ranking. I think I only had one other beer above that. I got to take a photo of the of the can too, which is always kind of a fun little thing. Let's see here. Let's get that done. Perfect. So, I think what we're going to do is we're going to jump right into the interview. And then after that, we can do just a little quick, quick mock draft. And then we'll probably make a pick for the Super Bowl. And go from there. I unfortunately had a, a rough week with the picks in the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. I was really pulling for the Bills to to pull it off and get a win, and I was really pulling for Green Bay uh, to you know get a win, get some. Just it would have been a fun Super Bowl that way. I think it will still be a fun Super Bowl. I was wrong on both accounts, which, which stinks. First time, really, I've been that bad. But it was only two picks, so what are you going to do? So, yeah, let's get right into the interview, guys. And like I said, Mark Jones played football for the University of Tennessee and then went on to play in the GFL in Germany. And then he opened up his own business, came back to Syracuse. And I actually interned for him when I was in school at his company called Dreisig Apparel and I also helped with fan hands, which was really cool. I was, you know, super appreciative of Mark to, to give me the opportunity to intern for him. He's a great guy. Uh, he does anything he can for anybody. He's such a such a good person. So, you know, I I know that like this podcast is nothing big. You know, it's pretty small. But even the fact that he was willing to take out the time to do this little interview with me. I think <laughs> was super amazing, and and I, you know, Mark, I really appreciate that. If you're listening, so yeah, let's jump right into it.
1: What years were you at? Kind of see. Yep. Yeah. So I, uh, I was fortunate enough when I graduated from CBA in 1986. I uh, ended up getting to the University of Tennessee in '86, so I was there from '86 to '91, and that's five years. And and uh, because the majority of the football players that go to a big time school like that might basically redshirt their first year. Right. So I took that. Yep. I took that first year as a redshirt year and then I finished it up after that. Nice. So when did you actually start playing football? Yeah. So when I started playing it, I was just talking to somebody about this story, man. And I can't remember who I was just saying this story to, but, um, my, uh, my first two years, I was just on the practice squad and then you know, just going through and, and getting getting the vars- uh, getting the 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 team ready, but my sophomore my redshirt sophomore year is when I started playing special teams, and so the time frame is this, and it's a unique story, and this and I can't remember who I just told this story to, literally last <laughs> week, but um, so my, my freshman year again we redshirt my freshman my freshman redshirt year was my second year there, we're going through spring ball. And what ended up happening was so Tennessee, I got recruited by like 15 division one schools, half of them wanted me for tailback the other half of them wanted me for free safety, because I was an all state tailback and free safety coming out of CBA right so Tennessee wanted me as a free safety so when I first got to Tennessee I went there as a free safety, that's what they recruited me as. After my first spring ball, my very first freshman year there, I, um, I, you know, I was just like, you know what, I, I, in my heart, I wanted to be the running back still. So I went to, I went to um, my running back, I'm sorry, I went to my uh, D-back coach and my head coach, Johnny Majors. And I said, listen, I said, you know what, I really want to try and see if I can, you know, play tailback here. They said, well, Marky did both obviously in high school. So, you know, and So, and I got a lot more honors at tailback than I did at free safety. Um, So they said, all right, well, let's go ahead and switch over. Let's talk to Doug Matthews, who is the running back coach. Let's talk to coach Matthews and see, and then coach Matthews, like, perfect, fine. Yep. Come on over. So that was the very first year. So that fall, that fall, I switched over to running back and again, playing scout, playing scout team, running back. But then that spring was when that's when you try to, you know, for you're vying your for the positions. Right. Spring ball is crazy, especially in the SEC. You got fights. Everybody's fighting each other every day because, you, you know, it's just you're fighting on the field and then your friends again in the locker room. Right. So, but this is the SEC, not yeah. not another. So conference. This is the SEC. So that so that spring is the first spring that I like was really playing running back, trying to buy, you know, via for a position. And we had a major scrimmage, Mike, a major scrimmage. And Johnny Majors, a legendary college coach, Johnny Majors was my coach. And uh, I remember I, uh, during this scrimmage, I got the rock. It was like a dive play and I got the rock and it was a blast play, like kind of like between the the, um, the guard and the tackle gap. And I hit the, I hit the hole, but I was standing up. And I was running, and I normally don't do that, but I was running through, I was ran through the hole like I was Eric Dickerson. Now I don't know if you remember Eric Dickerson, but do, Eric yeah. Dickerson always ru- ran up straight. But he yep. could do that because he's a legend. <laughs> so I ran up, I ran up straight, and one of our um one of our all-American linebackers almost decapitated me, dude. <laughs> so who was so, it? Do you remember? Um, it was um uh, Dale Jones, who was a all, he was an all American linebacker that we had. Nice. Okay. Yep. So, yep. So he came through almost decapitated me. <laughs> so anyway, um, so, so I get up, I, it didn't hurt or anything, but it looked as bad as it looked worse than what it was. So I get up, but all I hear is coach majors. As soon as, as soon as he tackles me and, and I'm getting up coach majors, I hear is yelling at me, Jonesy, Jonesy. And then I'm like, oh, shit, right? So then he, he's running he's running over to me and then I'm walking to him, right? Because I'm <laughs> so he's running to me. He comes and he grabs me in my face mask and my jersey. He's like, listen, and the thing is when Coach Majors got so riled up like that, you didn't know what the heck he was really saying because he was just like growling at you, right? But what he ended up saying was, and this was the life-changing moment in my college career. And that's why I tell you this, Mike, life-changing moment for me. He got up on me and he was like, jonesy jonesy he said you're never gonna f- I, well, I don't want to swear you're never gonna <laughs> he was like, you're never fucking gonna play around here if you keep on fucking running like that <laughs> who do you think you are you think you're in syracuse you're not in syracuse new york anymore he says listen you're never gonna play here if you keep on tiptoeing through the tulips like Gal sayers i want you running through that hole like earl campbell you understand me no more tiptoeing through the tulips like Dale Sayers. I want you running through the ball. I want you running through the hole like, like Earl Campbell. Do you get me? He said, you're never, ever going to play here if you keep on doing that. Don't you want to play here? And I was like, yes, coach, yes, coach. He was like, well, get your shit together and stop doing that. So that was life-changing for me.
0: I can only imagine.
1: That was life-changing. And, cussed was me out. and it was far worse than that, though. But I'm saying he cussed me out for five minutes. And really, the point of that was he was trying to let me know early on, like that I was never ever gonna play at Tennessee and in the SEC if I didn't pick up my intensity and if I didn't play to that level. And he knew obviously I could play to that level. That's why they recruited me obviously. Right. But he said, this isn't high school anymore. And that was my mentality at that point. You know, oh, well, I'm, I'm the man up here in Syracuse and you know, and I did what I wanted to do up here. It's not the same obviously down there. Right. That was the life-changing moment that defined my college career. And I tell that story all the time. And what it is is because it made it gave me a reality check that if I don't change the uh, the intensity of my play, to where I so at CBA, it was so natural for me just to play right, and then I would gain all you know get a hundred something yards a game, and you know you know get eight yards to carry all this stuff. But but when I would turn it on was when I just got mad. Like if, you know, something happened or whatever, and then I would turn it on. And at, at even at CBA, I would turn it on in high school. And then that's when it really, you know, kicked in. Right. But the, the the difference was I had to play like that all the time at Tennessee like that. And I wasn't ball doing ball. it. I was still like, it was like it was, I, I was still when I first transitioned over to running back, it was like I was still in high school. Like, oh, well, okay, well, it's a scrimmage. So it's not, you know, okay, I'm just going to go do my thing. And, you know, that's not, that, that wasn't the reality of it. So him, him cussing me out for those five minutes and saying that I'm not going to play here if I don't pick up the intensity, that was the true defining moment that I knew that I had the reality check that I had to go ahead and change the way that I kind of look at the game, perceive the game and play college football in the SEC. Right. So with that said, that's when I, so, and he said, and the other thing is this, you know, he said, Mark, there's no friends in, in practice and, and, you know, your friends after practice but you know you, you can't take it easy on your friends right that's another thing he said so when i went to so that next um we finished out the practice and then i went the next day it was again that that thing clicked right and it, so i went ahead and the, moving forward it was like everybody was the devil to me i went ahead and i just had a i had an asshole attitude while i was on the practice field and as soon as i talked as soon as i walked off of the field that's when, again, I was just low-key, happy-go-lucky Mark Jones again. Right. But I had to flip that switch and I had to learn to flip that switch. And that's what he was telling me. Mark, I want you to be the good guy that you are, but that's not on the football field. I want you to, be, you got to change and you got to be intense when you're on that football field. So then, so that happened, that was in the fall, okay? So that was in the, um, so that was the first year, that was the fall of, the, of the, my second year there. Then we went through spring. Yep. Then we went through spring ball again, went through spring ball. They called me, I was like the annual workhorse down there. Right. So that's what seriously, there's articles that say Mark Jones, the annual workhouse horse. Right. So we go through the spring and then right when we get to my third year there, my redshirt sophomore year there, uh, Kippy Brown was the receivers coach. And even though he was a receivers coach, he was like uh, he's like a legend down there and, and coaching as well, but he kind of took me under his wing and had conversations with me all the time. And, uh, so he basically, uh, so I was trying out for special teams. So when we went through camp, I was obviously on special teams and we're going through, but again, you don't know if you're like really on the, um, on the travel squad roster until you, they post it right that Thursday. So, so, um, before Thursday um, during practice, it was me and my two other best friends that um, graduated with me um, at Tennessee as well. And we were all like sophomores, like, but trying, but making special teams. Everybody else were juniors and seniors playing special teams, right? So it was me and my two friends. So he goes and he comes up to, uh, he comes up to us and he says, it's me, JJ and Lee. And JJ played for the Saints and the Cardinals. And then he, yep. And he's my son's godfather. He's my son, Julian's godfather. Yep. So JJ McCluskey. So it was me, JJ McCluskey, and then Lee Wood, right? It was us three. So Kippy Brown basically came to all of us at that practice, um, after practice, um, before we would see the list. And he was like, listen, he says, hey, guys, I want to give you the heads up. Uh, You guys made the travel squad for the first game. Awesome. He was, yeah, and he. We were like, "What?" <laughs> we're like, "Oh shit!" So we're like going all over. Like, yeah. So we're all. He said, "Hey, don't fuck it up." <laughs> he said, "Don't mess it up." And what had what ended up happening was this. So we went in, we saw our names on the list and all of this stuff. But this is the thing: the game that year. The game that year was the special game. It was a preseason game called the uh, the Pickskin Classic. That was the first ever Pickskin Classic. And we ended up playing the University of Colorado okay. out in the Rose Bowl. Okay. It was in the Rose Bowl. So when we found that out, that we are traveling, we we're going to play, and we we're going to play and start special teams or whatever in the Rose Bowl, and we're playing Colorado. That was when uh, I think it was Eric Biennemi and all of that, who is with, now, Who he's the old coordinator, right? Yeah, with Kansas um, City. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So, yeah. Um. So that's where. So we ended up went out, man. But we are so hyped up, and and he got us so pumped up or whatever before the game, man. I could have ran through a wall, man. That <laughs> game, Mike. So, but that was it. But what made it so that conversation with Coach Majors and him cussing me out really was the defining moment to where I had to pick up my game in order so that I can play. And I started playing right after that. Right. So started playing special teams my sophomore year. And then my uh, junior year and my senior year, I still pl- started on special teams my whole career. And then I ended up getting in, um, uh, again, my junior year, I ended up getting in at tailback That's as cool. well. So, yep. So had some uh, carries and some catches, my tailback, uh, my junior year, and then my senior year, the same thing kept on going. So, but it, it was, it was unbelievable, man. Great experience. I feel like when you
0: played, and I could be wrong about this, but when you played, there was a much more focus on,
1: like juniors and seniors, like if you're a freshman, sophomore, stuff like that, like you don't play. Yep, absolutely. You had to wait your time and that you had to wait your turn. And it, it, absolutely. Back then in the 80s, when I played, they're going to play a junior and a senior way before what they're going to play a sophomore or a or a freshman. It wasn't as it wasn't as impactful and it wasn't a lot of people that were doing it like how they do that now. Like uh, back then, it was like you got to wait your turn, rookie. You know, right. you can wait your turn. And yeah. So we ended up doing that. And so we had Keith Davis when I when I first got there, it was like Keith Davis. Um, you know, we, he was like the main superstar running back um, at Tennessee when we were there and he was there I he, when I was a freshman. He was a, a sophomore. Okay. So, you know what I mean? So it was like you just got to wait your turn. So and it was just one of these things that playing in the SEC and Tennessee like that, it, it, you know, you just had to do it. That was one of the pain, most painful experiences that I had, though. Mike, my first couple of years is sitting the bench at Tennessee, because I'm so used to being this, you know, again, the superstar and stuff in high school, you want to play. And that was the toughest thing that I had to experience my in my football career, my college football career was not playing at all. My first two years down there, it killed me, you know, and then especially when they're traveling, you know, so when you're traveling, and you're on the travel squad, you leave Friday, right? Like right after classes, you leave Friday. Mm-hmm. But what my thing is this when you're sitting, when you're sitting home or in your dorm with the other freshman players and stuff, and the team is going and traveling to Georgia or Alabama or Auburn or some of these other games. And then you're there, you know, you're sitting there on a Friday and you're like, damn, I know I'm a part of the team, but am I a part of the team? <laughs> so okay. It was very, very discouraging. That was the hardest part of, again, me playing college ball was, again, not traveling my first couple of years there and uh, just knowing that I'm home and, you know, you you know, you're a part of the team, but you're just not on the travel squad. Did you have regrets then going to Tennessee at that moment, do you think? Yeah, you know what? I did have some regrets because this is the, so a a lot of people, I had a a couple of regrets, but I told myself I got to go what is... What's in my heart? And my heart was to switch over to running back. A lot of my teammates said, Mark, if you would have just stayed at free safety and if you would have stayed at defensive back, you probably got a, You would have got drafted and, and probably would have you know been a very successful free safety. But I I didn't have that in my heart. Right. I wanted to be a running back in my heart. And I was like, you know what, I can live with whatever happens. But my thing is, I still ended up playing at Tennessee, all of that stuff. But my friends yeah. were like, Mark, you probably would have started you would have because I backed up Reggie Cobb when I was there when we ended okay. up finishing the career. Yeah. So I, yeah, so that's what I mean. So Reggie Cobb was the man. And basically, Reggie and I were the same class. So we're the same uh, recruiting class. Right. So but again, I went there as a free safety, not as a running back. Right. And then we I switched over afterwards. So but, and I knew I was switching over knowing that after Keith Davis was going to um, leave that Reggie Cobb was going to be the man. Right. But I think I was like, okay, you know what I can go ahead and I can be like the third down back. Cause I have really good hands. And that's kind of like why they like me or whatever. They would give me my junior year. I went in there on pass place. Right. So they normally coach majors normally rotated like three tailbacks and three fullbacks a game. Cause we had a multiple eye offense mm-hmm. and that's what I loved about it. So even like, Again, we had a, a, one of our fullbacks was the blocking fullback. One of our fullbacks was the running fullback. I mean, so we just rotated all the time. At least you know you're going to get some, you know, sometimes. Yep. So I knew I was going to get some, but it was kind of like second guessing myself and and a couple of times because my teammates were like, Mark, man, go back to safety, go back to safety, you know? And I was like, "Ah, I don't want, and this is the deal. And When I first got down there, I'm seeing, uh, so my freshman year, we're going through camp And I'm over on the defensive side and all it is, bam, 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 you know, like everybody's hitting, hitting, hitting. And I'm like, and then all, you know, like 10 players on the team just got done having soldier, uh, shoulder surgery. (laughs) So, and so I'm, I'm, I'm over and we got the two fields. We got the offensive field, we got the defensive field. So I'm on the defensive field my freshman year, like right going in there first year. And then it's bam, bam, bam. It's all like, you know, hitting up and, and tackling form, tackling, tackling drills and all of this stuff. And I'm looking. I'm telling you the truth. I'm looking over at the offensive field and all I'm seeing is the running backs get the ball, run through the hole and they got to run down the field like 40 yards every time.
0: That sounds so much better.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, I'm going to be over there. (laughs) And my heart was already there, but I'm like, man, I'm going to be over there or whatever next year. That's what in my head that freshman year, I was already saying that. Yeah, I'm going to be over there next year because this is craziness over here on the defensive field. They got there at least. So, yeah. and they recruited me. One is because my senior year at CBA, I had nine interceptions. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I had a knack. I was like that free safety. My, My coach let me roam the field and do what I wanted to do at CBA. And I had a knack for going, uh, for like an awareness for where the where the quarterback was going to throw the ball. Right. And so yeah, so I was that was my thing. That's why I, that's what got me notarized as a uh, defensive back and a free safety because I had nine interceptions my senior year. Okay, that was remarkable back then. Yeah, that's nine a lot. Interceptions. Yeah.
0: Especially high school. So, You're only playing what?
1: Yeah, eight games. Nine. That games. was eight yeah. games. Yeah, eight games. Yeah. So yep. So I did that in eight games.
0: That's a lot. And
1: uh, so that was. Uh, So that was the, you know, the the reason why I ended up getting recruited. And the thing is this, I, I tackled and I probably hit, like, I'm talking about like knock the snot out of your hit. I probably hit someone maybe like three times like that, my whole high school career, but more so my, my coach told me, my coach told the defense, if I made more than three tackles a game, they were running on Monday. Well, because okay. I'm I'm not I'm not out there to tackle. I'm out there to get interceptions and stuff. Yeah, so you want your
0: linebackers, you want your defensive line yeah. to you know get the tackle. correct.
1: Yep. So my my coach was like, if Mark Jones makes more, if Mark makes more than three tackles a game, we're all running on Monday. So, <laughs> so-
0: who uh, who was your favorite coach? Whether it's high school, whether it's college, whether it's you played was it the German football league? Is that where you played? Yep,
1: in the German football league as well. Sure. My pro career over in Germany. So sure. my favorite coach, uh. My favorite coach was Tommy West okay. and Tommy West was um, he was my uh, running back coach my senior year. He played for Tennessee back in the days. He came back and coached. He was my running back coach my senior year. Um, he influenced my life because he gave me chances and opportunities that like, again, you know, people just wouldn't give me. Right. I played I probably played a, a more a lot more of my senior year just because of him because he knew that I had it in me. Right. Right. And so he was the one that was more so where supported me and understood that, you know, Mark, this is your talent. You're, you're a runner, but my thing is you're a pass receiving back. Right. So they kind of utilized me as a, like a third down back. And so, but he encouraged me. And so Tommy West was, was that coach. Now, after he left, um, the running, he, he was a linebacker for Tennessee, came back, coached, uh, me at Tennessee my senior year as a uh, running back and then he stayed there a couple of years after my senior year coaching the running back still. but then he ended up becoming the head coach at the University of Memphis. Oh wow. yeah, so he was so and I, we, I, we stayed in touch for a little bit but then uh, we eventually fall you know just uh, got out of contact. Like but he was my, <laughs> yeah he was my he was my favorite coach. He really truly was. Um, and, and it was because he would get on you. But he wasn't one of those coaches that, and I don't think I had any coach that was just like degrading to me, right? Um, Well, I would, I would say, I I would change that. I'll I'll go back and I'll tell you that story because that's another story. Okay. he was he was just very supportive he would get on me but he wouldn't you know like try to break you down to where you to your core and then you know so you're you're like flat and you you don't have any morale anymore right, right. less in life <laughs> yeah so that's it but he 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 knew how to push my buttons to where he i could where he would drive me right so i would take it to the next level um so that conversation that coach j uh, majors had with me you know again um uh, you know, that was the life-changing defining moment for me to where if I don't get my stuff together, I'm never gonna play at Tennessee. Right. And then I started playing right after that, right? That following season, I mean. I started playing that following season after that. Yep. Because the thing is, if you come in at the same level as a freshman and you stay that same exact level when you're a senior, there's an issue and there's a problem. You yep. shouldn't play <laughs> nope. because you should be getting better every single year. And that's what I ended up having to do as well. So I ended up doing that. Now you say that. You say that, you know, uh, you know, who's your favorite coach and then who is the who is my not favorite coach? And I say this now because it just came back into my life recently, like maybe like like this past month is Kevin Steele, Coach Kevin Steele. He uh, was the defensive coordinator the last couple of years at Auburn University. Okay. Kevin Steele, my freshman year, that's another reason why I switched over from defensive back to running back because I couldn't stand coach Steele. Okay. So coach Steele, you know, and, um, so coach Steele, he didn't play at Tennessee, but he was my, he was the defensive back coach that recruited me along with Jack Sells The you know, and then, so I had two guys that recruited me, but coach Steele was the defensive back coach got in there. I could not stand him. I still, you know, I know it's years later. I haven't seen him since college, but I, I just couldn't stand him, right? He just did the – he 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 got on you, but he got on you the wrong way. Right. Right. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was my – the coach that I wasn't too fond of. Let me say that. The coach that – and the reason why I want to say that now is this. He just got hired two weeks ago as the defensive coordinator for the University of Tennessee. Oh, man. He left Auburn. He just got <laughs> – <laughs> he's been all over the place since then. Well, he must know finished. what he's doing, you know. Huh? He must know what he's doing. Yeah, so he knows what he's doing now. Now he was a position coach then. Now he's like a you know defense. he yeah. he interviewed for the head coaching job at Tennessee, you know, and again he didn't get it. They just brought in the, uh, the University of Central Florida coach. Mm-hmm. They just hired him two days ago um, to be the new head coach at Tennessee. Um, because they fired Jeremy Pruitt because of some illegal recruiting stuff. He's actually, um, joining the giants actually. Yep. Giant joining the I giants I yep. or what he's doing yet, but yep. He's doing something for the giants that just came out. Yep. So he, uh, I guess a big recruiting scandal came out and then hit the thing. So they ended up Tennessee just fired him a couple of weeks ago yep. before cool. they, so Jeremy Pruitt hired Kevin Steele hmm. just before he got fired. And then Kevin – and I hope, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the new coach will kind of keep Kevin Steele. He's a defensive guru now, and we need that. So I hope that they do keep Kevin Steele now. Right. And, but I would love to go back to, to Tennessee now or when I do go back because I'll be back, obviously, as soon as we can. Yep. But I'm definitely going to go and talk to Coach Steele and say, Coach Steele, I made it, brother. I'm like, hey. I said, you know what? I said, it wasn't that defensive back, though, but it was that running back. And, I, you know, I switched to running back, played at Tennessee – and then I'm going to tell him everything that I've done. Cause I want that man to know that I know you almost broke me. <laughs> that's why I wanted to go to running back, but, but I made it out alive. So there that isn't that hindsight, hindsight and it uh, kind of really, truly goes around. Oh, yeah, wow. it does. Definitely. Yep.
0: <laughs> so who was your favorite
1: teammate? My favorite teammate. So I got two. So my basically my favorite teammate at Tennessee uh, and it, this is more so Tennessee as well as, was uh, again, my two guys, JJ McCluskey, who's my son, Julian's godfather and uh, Lee Wood. Um, JJ was a defensive back and then Lee Wood was a receiver at Tennessee Okay, because we defined all odds. Right. So the odds were just against us or whatever, you know, and the odds are against everybody. When you go to a major college like that, you got to prove yourself. But we, we, like we stuck together and we really, truly just like lifted each other up and said and pushed each other. And that's to the point where again, Lee and I were on offense. We had so many fights with JJ in, in practices and and uh, <laughs> and and if you look at the stats on JJ, JJ was 58 170 pounds Good and guy. he made it to the yep he made it he was a, one of the all-time favorites at Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, but then he also went ahead and he had a great NFL career played uh, nine years in the NFL. Yeah. For the New Orleans Saints and the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And the thing is, when I talked to, and we just pushed each other, and Lee and I always had fights with JJ, and everybody's like, man, they're crazy, man, because they're, they're best friends, right? And we're going at each other, right?
0: <laughs> hey, you're pushing and, each other.
1: and it was more so JJ, yeah. because JJ, he had to talk so much stuff because of his stature. He had to talk, basically, he talked so much, and I thought he did it just at Tennessee. But I know NFL guys as well. So when they were in the, when my friends in the NFL were playing against JJ and I was, oh yeah, my boy is JJ. Oh, he's like, man, oh my God, JJ talks so much shit, man, during the game, man, the whole entire game. Man. But they knew that he had, that was his way of, of pushing himself up to where he could play at that level. Right. Right. So that is, you know, yeah. so so it was us three cool. and uh, yep, it was just us three. So again, by far, they're my, you know, my favorite teammates or whatever that I've had.
0: Right. Okay. Um, How was the transition into the German football league? Like, how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so you know what that happened? But so I got I was up in Canada, I hurt my leg up in Canada, I was trying to do my thing up in Canada in the CFL, I tore my hamstring muscle. And that was more so because when I was when after my senior year at Tennessee, I went ahead and I was training to get ready to go up to Canada. And then I had a guaranteed contract to kind of play for to play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I'm getting ready. I ended up tearing my hamstring while I was getting ready training to get ready to go up there. And so right then and there, it was the odds were against me because again, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to come back after the tear sooner than later so that I wouldn't, so I would have the opportunity. I didn't want to kind of over, you know, I didn't want to uh, not have that opportunity, right. And present itself. So anyway, so, but I kept on coming back early and that was the problem. So that's kind of like what messed up my CFL career because they would say, all right, Mark, you got to rehab it for like, you know, eight weeks or uh, really like three to four months to really to heal a, a, a tear of a hamstring yep. where my hamstring was black and blue. That, I mean, that's, it was a major tear, but I was always trying to come back in like four to six weeks. And then I kept on tweaking it. Yep. And that's the problem. So for me, that was one of the negatives that I had in my that was for me in my football career. I always thought the team wanted needed to count on me. I need to be there for them. I, I, I can't be out too long. I need to get back as soon as possible. And that was my negative because that's what really messed up the beginning of my pro career when I was up in Canada. I kept on coming back too soon. And up in Canada at the time, if you can't play for the season, then they're not going to keep you. It's not like they put you on injury reserve or whatever for the whole year here, like in the NFL. Yeah. So basically they ended, up, they ended up releasing me. And then I came back and then the Toronto Argos, the uh, second year in my second pro career, the Toronto Argos, again, the same thing. I, I kept on tweaking my hamstring And basically it was like, Mark, you know, we love you, but we, you know, we can't just pay, we can't, they just don't do that up in Canada. So they ended up releasing me as well. And I'm like, oh, this is killing me. So I'm home. I come back to Syracuse. I'm rehabbing like how I normally do. I get a call from uh, my agent and he was like, Mark, he said, I got an opportunity for you. And I said, well, who's the opportunity from? And he said, "Uh, uh, Coach Dotson, right? I'm like, Coach Dotson. I'm like, who the heck is Coach Dotson, right? And uh, and he says, uh, well, I got, I got a call from Coach Dotson. And um, he says that, um, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Carol Dale. He says he got a call from Carol Dale. And I'm like, Carol Dale? I'm like, Carol Dale called him? So this is the deal about Carol Dale. Carol Dale was a Hall of Fame uh, receiver for the Green Bay Packers back in the 60s. Okay. One of my close friends, another teammate of mine from Tennessee, um he one of my teammates from Tennessee Craig Martin he went and uh I introduced him to one of my friends that was a was a girl at the time Allison um and basically they ended up getting married oh wow yeah so they ended up getting married I'm sorry, yep. up so I'm matchmaker right so they ended up getting married I love it I just I talked to him all the time I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago and um so what I was going to say was so when they got married, I went to the wedding and I was in the wedding. So they, uh, and it was down in Virginia. They introduced me to this guy, Carol Dale. And they're like, Mark, we want to introduce you to Carol Dale. So I'm like, okay, it's a pleasure meeting all of this stuff. And, uh, they said, you know what he, you know, he knows who you are, followed you at Tennessee. He knows you're good friends with the family. I'm, I'm like a son in that family. Right. right? So and uh, so at the wedding and we're talking, he's like, oh, Mark, he said, let me see if I can reach out to some of my contacts or whatever to see if, you know, maybe I could try to get you like an NFL tryout or something like that. I'm like, oh my God, that'd be great, Mr. Dale. I appreciate it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. And again, he's a legend. So re- Carol Dale, Google him. They will. Yep. So, so I'm meeting this guy and then he, he's from the same hometown as Allison. Oh, wow. Yeah. So same hometown is uh, in Wise, Virginia, which is crazy. <laughs> So I think it's Wise, Virginia or another. I think it's Wise, Virginia. But so anyway, he played receiver at Virginia Tech. OK, and then he ended up getting drafted by the Green Bay Packers. And this was when the Packers were like legit and winning all the Super Bowls and stuff. Yep. Primetime. So I'm meeting him. I'm like, so after I meet him, they're telling me all of this stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, you're a legend, living legend. Right. I'm like, this is crazy. And he says he wants to help me out. So long story short, he basically knew um, he basically knew the coach that basically called my agent. So Mm -hmm. coach Dotson, he basically, so he knew the coach through somehow in the coaching race, they all know each other. So he, so the coach was, he was having a conversation with coach Dotson and coach Dotson was like, he was at Carson Newman um, college. He was the defensive coordinator at Carson Newman college. Carson Newman college is a, is a powerhouse powerhouse, like division two school in Tennessee. This is the deal. If you if you can't cut it at Tennessee, not because of your athletic ability, but because of grades and stuff like that, and then you kind of get dismissed from, like, Tennessee because you get, your grades aren't there, and okay. they, everyone went to Carson Newman. And the thing is this. Carson Newman was known for taking all of those players from other D1 schools. They won national championships. Look up Carson Newman. They won national championships all the time because they had D1 talent but just couldn't cut the grades at, at the schools. And they all went to Carson. Newman. <laughs> they, had like, they got so many NFL players really coming out of Carson. Oh my God. Absolutely. So, and Carson Newman is in Tennessee. It's like 45 minutes outside of Knoxville. Interesting. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That is. So, so coach Dotson was the, was the coach there at Carson Newman. So we had, what ended, uh, what ended up happening was Carol Dale had a conversation with coach Dotson. Coach Dotson's telling him, Oh, listen, I, I just uh, accepted the head coaching position over in the German football league. And Carol Dale was like, Well, you know, are you are Americans over there or what? And he was like, Yeah, he says I gotta get like I gotta get my six Americans to go over there. He's like, I got the perfect running back for you. And Carol Dale went and, and vouched for me or whatever of uh, being a running back over there. And then Coach Dotson called my agent. Then he ended up calling me. I talked to my uh my agent, and my my agent said this. Mark, I got a call and I'm like, okay. I said, all right, well, I'm thinking back in the CFL and I'm like, all right, what team in the CFL? And he was like, Oh, it's not in the, in the CFL. He says it's in Germany. I'm like, Germany. I'm like, dude, I said, I ain't going to Germany. I'm like, they don't play football over there. (laughs) And then he was like, Mark, you got it. He said, listen, you've been out for two years with your hamstring. You rehabbed it. Everything is good. I really, truly gave it time to heal. Right. Because yeah, that, yeah. that's what I needed to do. And he said, but you've been out for two years. It's going to get so hard to go ahead and, and get back into the league, any league, if you don't get in now. So yeah. let's do this. Let's go. Let's see what this German opportunity is. Let's go over there for a year, go over there for a year, test out your your, your leg and, you know, get some stats and then we can get you back to Canada. I was like, man, listen, I'm like, dude, what are people going to tell me when I'm saying I'm playing over in Germany? I'm like, what? <laughs> now, I know basketball was big over there, you know, right. like, you know, playing in Europe basketball, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, not the so, but I got over there. The German Football League is the best European league, pro football league, American football league over there in Europe, Germany, I and mean, they take that, they take it serious. It's like, it's not on the caliber of the NFL, but it's more so on the caliber of like the CFL. Right but I was like I but I didn't know that until I got over there so but I went over there so that's the first conversation then we start going back and forth with coach Dotson and coach Dotson calls me and stuff and I'm like oh well thank you for the opportunity this and that and he was like Mark I so he says Mark he says I know you've been trying to do he says I know you've been trying to do the CFL thing right he says listen this German opportunity I don't know what's going to happen. This is my first time too. And this is his first head coaching job as well, right? Coach Dotson, because he was the uh, uh, the defense coordinator at uh, Carson Newman. So anyway, he was like, we're both going to have to get over there and kind of see how it is. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. Right. i have not over there either, right? So I was like, all right. So he says, but he says, um, he says, you know what? He says, I taught the coach. I taught the Carol Dale, obviously. And he told me about you. But then, um, but then I, I, you know, I said, I just want you to know that I reached out to Randy Sanders. I'm like, Randy Sanders. I'm like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I said, I, I had to talk to someone from Tennessee. And uh, so Randy Sanders was my teammate. When I got there to Tennessee as a freshman, Randy Sanders was the backup quarterback to Jeff Francis. So Randy, Sand, but he played, right? He got in and he played and stuff, but really excellent quarterback. So Randy Sanders when I got there as a freshman, he was a um, he was a junior. Then my second year over there, he was a senior, and then so we I, we, we were teammates for a couple of years. Right. So, but when uh, when Coach Dotson called him, he was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee. Coach Fulmer was my old coordinator when I was there under Johnny Majors. Hmm. But after Johnny, after Coach Fulmer got the head coaching job, Randy Sanders was the quarterback coach um, under. Um, David Cutcliffe and David Cutcliffe is the guru quarterback yep, of all time. Great. That for the man for the Mannings. Yep. So that's my lineage. That's what I, David Cutcliffe was my running back coach my junior year. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's a huge supporter of mine as well. He. Yeah. So, but David Cutcliffe was my running back coach my junior year at Tennessee. He switched around a couple of times that coaching yeah. there while I was there. That's uh, cool. that's, that's awesome. But when I first got there, he was the tight end coach. Yeah. And then my senior year, uh, I'm sorry, my junior year, he became the running back for, for, for one year. And then Tommy West came in and became my running back coach my senior year. Right. That was a whole nother thing too. getting different coaches, you know, a couple of that, you know, that kind of messes you up to a little bit or whatever when you're there. Yeah. So but, So uh, so to finish this story, because this is like my legacy and how things happen where to where I am, where I am today. So Coach Dotson said, oh, I had to call Coach uh, Coach Sanders. Now, Coach Sanders is the offensive coordinator at Tennessee at this time when they had the conversation. Mm-hmm. And Coach Sand and I haven't talked to Coach, I haven't talked to Randy since we were teammates at Tennessee, and this is years later, right? Did that make so, you nervous? So that that's who you reached out and to?
0: I'm like, say it again? <laughs> Did that make you nervous as far as like that's who they reached out to?
1: Yeah, it made me <laughs> real nervous. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, oh my God. I wish they would have told me they were going to reach out to somebody. I would have told them probably a different coach, right? Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing, Randy Sanders we weren't close when we played with each other because he was a quarterback and I was a freshman running back and all of that. Right. But we, I mean, we knew each other. Right. And then Randy, after I, after Randy left um, Tennessee, he became a GA. So Randy was that it's Randy was there when I was doing my thing, but we still right. weren't close and stuff, but he was the quarterback. Knew GA. You were, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he was the quarterback GA. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so um, we're going through this process uh, and then um So he said he reaches out to Randy, and he's a Mark man. He says Randy all had great things to say about you. Awesome. And I said, I said, oh, and I'm thinking, thank God. Oh yeah, I'm thinking, thank God, right? So then he told me some of the things that he said, and he was like, listen, he said Randy said if you were, he said you're a starting running back, you probably would have started running back at like probably like four or five other SEC schools. Wow if you were at other sec schools but the problem is you were backing up reggie Cobb yeah. and chuck webb so that's why yeah so he was like he says, mark was a mark's a, a great running back a really good running back it's just that the timing of him being at tennessee when the other you know when reggie was there wasn't the you know wasn't the perfect timing yeah. and so and so he said that he says again you're not going to get a better player and work hard you know work ethic all of that stuff or whatever randy said all of this stuff Awesome. And Coach Dotson told me that. Well, Coach Dotson's telling me this, right? So I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. I appreciate it. So I owe everything to Randy. So I called Randy and I um I called Randy and I said, Randy, listen, I you know, I just talked to Coach Dotson. He told me that he had to have a conversation with you. He's picking me up and he's signing me to the contract because of the conversation with you. And he's like, oh, and Randy was like, oh, Mark, I'm so happy for you, man. Listen, go do your thing, man. Listen, I know you, you know, it didn't work out kind of like how you wanted it to work out at Tennessee because obviously everybody wants to start, right? You know, I wanted to be a starter and stuff, obviously. But he's like, Mark, this is an opportunity. He said, you're in control of your own destiny, man. Go over there and do your thing. So I was like, man, so I owe everything to a couple of people, Carol Dale, you know what I mean? And Carol Dale and coach Dotson and Randy, but Randy Sanders, if Randy Sanders said, Oh, Mark, you can get somebody, you know, besides Mark, I wouldn't have went over to Germany. Yeah. And if I didn't go over to Germany, I wouldn't have Dreisig now. That's what I mean. It's like, everything happens for a reason in life. But so the, the coach that I'm indebted to really is coach Sanders. Now coach Sanders leaves Tennessee. He leaves Tennessee when coach Fulmer stops playing or coaching at Tennessee. He's the offensive of coordinator for Florida State for Bowden for years, yeah, right? For then he switched over to the University of Kentucky, right? And then he just left the University of Kentucky because we stay in touch and we follow each other on social media. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, and then uh, now he's the head coach of Middle Tennessee State. Awesome. And he's been the head coach of Middle Tennessee State for I think like the last three years, if I'm not mistaken. He left the Tennessee the offensive coordinator position at uh, Kentucky. And signed on to be the first head coach, uh, you know, it is this is his first head coaching gig right. at Middle Tennessee State, That's which, how you is a, which is a Division One A school. Yep. Or, or they're, or, or I'm sorry, they're Division One. they're, they're like not in the MAC, but they're in another like mid-level conference. Right. Conference USA. They're USA, doing USA. pretty good. Yep, correct. So that is the story of how I ended up getting over to Germany, man. And I get over circle. there, huh? It all comes full circle. Oh, it all comes full circle, man. But Randy Sanders, and I'm going to tell you, if he didn't – but that that's what told me, too. You know what? I'm better than what I thought I was, too. Because the thing is this. Randy – the things that Randy said, he never told me that. Right. So, you know, so I was like, wow, this is this – is all, and he was telling the real thing. Listen, if he was at another SEC school, like, again, like, uh, I'm thinking like a Kentucky – or a um, you know a Kentucky a Ole Miss Mississippi State back that they were they were like at the bottom tier of the SEC back when I played so but he, he was like Mark if Mark would have went to another SEC school like four or five other SEC Mark would have started at running back he just you know it was just who he was playing it at the same time here right. at Tennessee that blew my mind blew my mind he says Mark has got excellent hands. You know, again, very coachable. I mean, he pugged it up, and Coach Dotson was like, "Hey, Coach, Coach Sanders gave you high regards, and said, uh, you know, what, what I just told you, and he says you need to bring him over there with you." So,
0: how was your career in the German Football League? It was really hard. I couldn't find any like stats or anything anywhere. Yeah, like-
1: exactly. Yeah, so that's the problem. So my thing is this, and I can kind of, um, I can send you some um, just so you have them, but. I was going to say, I can send you some newspaper clippings and things like that, which mm-hmm. I can't even read them what they are, because obviously they're in yeah. German. But <laughs> so, again, I, I got the Mr. Touchdown. I got the Mr. Touchdown um, uh, nickname. I don't know if I told you that or you not. Said, yeah. Yep. So I gave you that. But so that was like my second year over there where I got like the Mr. Touchdown thing. Uh, but my first year over there is like, you know, my first year over there, they called me uh, the the Wunderwaff which is crazy, the Wunderwaffe, right? But the Wunderwaffe basically means super weapon in Germany. So that was like, that was my, when I got over there, I started making a name for myself right away. And then they were calling me like the, you know, the super weapon and all. They just have different terminology in Germany So, But it went great. My first year over there was an experience with Coach Dotson. I only played for him for one year. And then I ended up signing a contract with another team my second year. Mm-hmm. And that second year, that's where, again, that, that's where I had like the 26 touchdowns that year. And then that's where they called me like Mr. Touchdown and all of that stuff. So, but Coach Dotson, again, my, he gave me the opportunity. And then once I was over there and made a name for myself, I was known around the league. So, once I knew that, and I only signed a one year contract over there for the first year because I didn't know how I was going to go. So, I was like, all right, I'll sign a one year contract. Yep. I said, I, I don't want to get stuck over there. So, Every year got better for me. Every single year got better for me. And I was over there for the five seasons. But what ended up happening was it really, truly, it really, truly said, you know what? Spiritually, it said, you know what? God put me over here to make a name for myself in Germany. I wasn't blessed to play in the NFL or I wasn't blessed to play in the CFL, but I'm going to make the best experience out of playing here in Germany and, and do everything that I can to build this experience here in Germany for after my career or whatever that is. Right. And so that's what I did. So I busted my butt. I played the hardest I could. I did everything I could just so I can make a name for myself in Germany to where I can go back, come back here to America, Mike, and say, listen, I played pro ball, but I played pro ball in Germany and I was the superstar over there. Right. Right. So, you know, I was a superstar over in Germany and, you know, and, but that's what my destiny was, you know, but I made my, my, my destiny of playing football over there and living out my dream of playing pro football transpired into my lifelong dream of Dreisig now.
0: Yeah, so I don't have a lot of time left, but tell me a little bit about uh, your experience with starting Dreisig
1: and where you're at now. Yeah, so basically starting Dreisig, and and Dreisig means 30 in German. That was my football jersey number since playing at Tennessee and then also playing over in in, uh, Germany. And Dreisig really came about because someone wanted to make a Mark Jones line of, of, of football apparel and their line was called hardcore football but they wanted to make a mark jones line of it. So back then in the 90s, that was like just Jordan and a couple other people, right? But I'm yeah. like, "What, really?" I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right. I have my own line." I'm like, "All right, even though they sell it in Germany, I'm like, "I don't care." I'm like, that's my... but that was a part of my plan of, "Okay, what am I going to do after football?" Right. Right? So like I'm like, that. this is just another opportunity. Yeah. So I'm like, this is just another opportunity. So I go ahead and and um, I try working with him. It doesn't work out, you know. I tried working with this guy. Um, matter of fact, he was out of Canton, New York. Just didn't work out with him. I hooked him up with Elvin Harper, Reggie Cobb. All of these guys were gonna that my teammates at Tennessee that were in the NFL they were gonna wear my apparel. Anthony Miller, Anthony Morgan, they were receivers. And they were like, Mark, get us all, get us your gear, right? And then we'll go ahead and we'll rock it for you. We can't do it on official stuff because it's not. we have got, got contracts with the teams and Nike and all of that stuff. But we'll wear it out and about, which that's where I wanted them to wear it, right? So then when they're just out and about, so the guy never came through, never came through. So and this is the start of Drysick. So again, this is the hardcore football trying to do with this guy. The guy never came through. the the um, the the ultimate um, negative that I said I got to get away from this guy was one of my contacts here at Syracuse University or um, owned a bar Um, his name is Mark Albert he owned the bar 44 so it used to be a really popular bar back in the days he had Jim Brown coming in to do an autograph signing and he says Mark uh, you know I'm gonna you know let me talk to Jim Brown to see if he might wear something while he's doing the autograph signing right because he came back for like homecoming or whatever that year and Mark Welber was paying him a ton of money to do the autograph signing at 44s. So um, so I said, oh, my God, that'd be great. So I called my guy and I'm like, listen, you know, I got Jim Brown, Jim Brown. Right. I'm like, get get the stuff here to me. Right. Never came through. Ugh. Never. Man, I was so mad smoking. Opportunity, too, right. out. I'm like, so I'm done. So my business advisors at the time, they were like, Mark, forget this guy. He's messing up your name. Now he's messing up your name. So you can't have that. So my thing, you got to get away. They said, why don't you research apparel and see if, you know, and see if it's, it might be good for you, see if it's an opportunity for you. And that's what I ended up doing. So that's how I really became. And I never grew up knowing that I wanted an apparel company. I got my degree in uh, from Tennessee in psychology. Right. I got my uh, master's or I started getting my master's at Syracuse University in sports psychology. My whole thing was psychology. You know, and then the whole football thing came up and Dreisick came up and then now I'm doing Dreisick. So, um, but it was a great experience in Germany. It was a great experience to transition into, like I said, Dreisick. And again, because someone wanted to make the hardcore football line, the Mark Jones line of hardcore football. Right. And that led you to where you are now. And then that led me to where I am today. Awesome. So, but uh, it's crazy, man. Life is full of unexpected things. And, you know, but I say you, you got to, you know, just take what you get in life. And, it, you know, it might be something that you can do something with it. So awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Thanks for taking the time, Mark. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Mike. Listen, i do anything for you, man. I'm such a huge supporter of yours, Mike. I love uh, what you're doing in this podcast. I, I love what you're doing with the podcast as well. And Thank so you. I'm so humbled and honored for you to have me as a guest on. Yeah. So I appreciate my it. My first guest too, actually. <laughs> oh, great. Awesome. I love that. Hey, that's, hey, that's history. All right. We got to put that down. No. <laughs> so that
0: was my interview with Mark Jones, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for dealing with it. You know, it's my first interview on this podcast, really first interview ever. And it was just good to talk with him, man. He's he's a great person, a great dude, a lot of lot of life experiences and a hard worker and just a good good person all around. So, you know, I really I, I know this is a Giants podcast, but I love football. You know, I'll talk about football any day, Giants football, NFL in general, college football. I love football, and, and, you know, just to hear someone like Mark talk who's so passionate about the game and, and passionate about life in general, I love it. You know, that was that was great for me. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. So next I want to get into a little, just a little mock draft, a way too early mock draft. I know it's just too early, you know, but I love the draft too. The draft is such a blast. I could talk about the draft forever too and, and kind of just keep going with that. So, we're going to start right away with the first pick in the draft. You know, it's got to be Trevor Lawrence. I really don't think there's another answer. I don't think Fields separated himself enough. I don't think that Zach Wilson separated himself enough to to be the number one overall pick. It just kind of makes sense. It just kind of fits. You know, I think it would be a great thing for the league to have Jacksonville with the stud quarterback who you know has the same type of hype as like an Andrew Luck and you know some of the other big names they they've kind of you know Blake Bortles what they drafted you know they just haven't had like that that player really so i think Trevor Lawrence from Clemson is the pick for them Jets are up next and this is kind of a tricky pick i think most of the time people probably assume a quarterback's going to go here i don't think so though i think they're going to stick with Sam Darnold they're going to try to get him some weapons. I don't think they're going to go offensive line, though. I really think that, you know, they got the guy in Makai Becton that they liked last year. And, yes, the line still needs help, but they need some playmakers, man. And I, if it was me, I'd go Jamar Chase here if I'm looking for for a playmaker. But I think Devontae Smith is is who goes here. So Devonta Smith, Alabama, wide receiver, gives Sam Darnold the weapon. It doesn't help the offensive line, but if you have a playmaker like that, you can get him the ball quicker. He's going to be in and out of cuts super quick. I think it'll help a lot. Next up we have Miami, who has this pick via the Houston trade with, uh, with Houston for the left tackle that they traded. And I think they just kind of have to go right back to that well and replace it with Penaisuel from Oregon. I think it kind of fits right in. Maybe you could look at going quarterback, but I don't think you can give up that quick on on Tua. You know, you have to give him some more time. This is the NFL. It's a tough league. He came in kind of, you know, battling an injury right from the start of the season, so he didn't play right away. I think I think you got to give him at least another year. If – you're picking this high next year, then, you know, you kind of make a decision based off of that. But I mean, they had a good year, you know, they're only here because of the trade with Houston. So I think they take advantage of that. They get a left tackle of the future and go with it. Next up is the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of rumors have been going, going around that they're going to trade or cut or do something with Matt Ryan That makes sense. You know, I I don't think he's long for the team, and I do think they look to replace him via the draft. I think Zach Wilson's a great fit here. He's a gunslinger. He's a a baller. He's going to kind of fit right into this offense, and he's going to go with it. So I'm going to go Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Next up are the Cincinnati Bengals, who really wanted Sewell from Oregon to drop to them. But they'll go the next best thing in Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern, he's a stud. He, you know, I've heard little things, I think, with him possibly looking at guard or something like that. I don't think so. I think he's a left tackle in this league, and I think he's someone that will help solidify the offensive line more, get some holes for the running game, help protect whoever the quarterback is to start next year. I know the Joe Burrow injury doesn't look great. I assume he's going to be back at some point next year, though. So... Maybe, you know, maybe the end of the year. I, I don't know. But I, I think that I think that's a pick, though. I, I really think you go with another tackle here to try to solidify the offensive line. Try to protect your quarterback because that's been an issue going forward for quite a while. Yeah, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, Northwestern. Pick six, the Philadelphia Eagles. They could go in a lot of different directions. You know they're not going quarterback. Uh, they could definitely use some help in the secondary They could use some help, actually, really in a lot of places. If they're going to try to repair this relationship with Carson Wentz, though, they have to go receiver here. You have some stud wide receivers still sitting here on the board and Jamar Chase. As a Giants fan, I kind of cringe to make this pick because I don't want this to happen. But sitting there at 6 and having the opportunity to to draft Jamar Chase I think is like a Philadelphia Eagle wet dream that's like boom you need that 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 pig just makes so much sense and it's going to make the Eagles offense a little scary I think I I don't know who the quarterback is going to be next year I don't know if it's going to be Jalen Hurts I don't know if it's going to be Carson Wentz maybe it's an open competition between the two I, I said this on previous episodes I still think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback I think he just got kind of stuck in a, in a rut where he felt like he had to do everything and he, he did kind of have to do everything and it kind of cost him. But I think, I think there may have been more of like a rift between ownership and coaches and, and kind of just a lot of different things going on there that kind of attributed to it. So yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Jamar chase to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not happy about it. I don't like it, but it makes sense. Pick number seven. We're gonna go Justin Fields to the Detroit Lions from Ohio State. I think it kind of makes sense. You know, there's already rumors going around that they're looking to trade Matthew Stafford. They, I've heard some you know rumblings of Matthew Stafford looking at like Los Angeles Rams, and he's not gonna be there for long. I I certainly think that he is not going to be on the team to start the year. And I think Justin Fields is a perfect fit. I always get a little bit nervous about Ohio State quarterbacks, but I think this is a good fit for him. He also was a Georgia quarterback, so you know, I guess you can't completely say he was just an Ohio State quarterback. We'll go with Justin Fields. Number 8, the Carolina Panthers. Insert Micah Parsons. I think he just kind of well, work right into this linebacker spot here and kind of, I don't think you can replace Luke Kuechly, but he'll try to help. And I think he'll, he'll do a good job at it. I thought about quarterback. I think quarterback's certainly a possibility. I, Teddy Bridgewater isn't the answer. It's, it's apparent to me at least, but I wonder if they're like another year away from really addressing that quarterback position. I think maybe they go after someone like, Deshaun Watson or or Matthew Stafford. They'll they'll go after a quarterback to maybe challenge Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see what happens there. So yeah, we'll go Micah Parsons there. Number nine, the Denver Broncos, who also are not completely sold on lock from what I hear. I still don't think they go that route though. I think they go Jalen Phillips out of uh out of Miami. I think he's a better prospect than Rousseau. And I think he kind of goes right in and and fills in for Miller if, you know, Miller isn't going to be playing or gets released. I'm not really sure. He's kind of got a lot of interesting things going on there. And that gets us to the Dallas Cowboys at pick 10. So if you know me, you know that I have opinions on the Dallas Cowboys. I like their coach with Mike McCarthy because he's never going to help them win. If he was a Giants coach, man, I would be so unhappy. But I think he fits right into what Jerry Jones wants. He wants a stooge. He wants someone that's going to be a yes man and do what he wants. So, my thought, I really don't think that Jerry Jones wants to pay Dak. I think you're stupid not to. I think Dak Prescott has proven to be a pretty competent quarterback in this league. But I don't think they want to pay him. I really Really don't. So until Dallas does pay Dak or makes a, a play at you know quarterback position with Stafford or Deshaun Watson or someone, I think they go quarterback here. Trey Lance, North Dakota State, I think could be a perfect fit in this offense and kind of solve the quarterback conundrum for them. You still have Andy Dalton there that you can, you know, rely on. If if I think he's a free agent, so you know they could potentially bring him back to start the year if they need to. Let Lance learn a little bit, but I just kind of th- think it's a good fit. You know, they don't have to pay Dak forty mil. They have a lot of other, you know, salary cap issues on this team. They, 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 you know, McCarthy gets a guy that he wants, and they go, and then Dak either get signed and traded or they just let him go. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I don't really have it in an answer yet. And that leaves the giants at pick 11 tough pick. I think they have a lot of needs. I could see a cornerback going here. I could see a wide receiver going here. I'm starting to get talked into a tight end here. Honestly, Pitts is just a man among boys at that tight end position. He can block, he can catch, he can run, he runs smooth routes. I've heard him compared to Mike Evans just in a tight end body. Ah, man, you know, he's here. I just think that Jalen Waddle is the better pick here. I kind of think that Waddle is probably a top two wide receiver in this class. I still think he's better than Devonta Smith. I think Jamar Chase is the only one that I would kind of put in his tier. But he got overlooked, you know, with the injury. So I'm going to go Jalen Waddle for the Giants on this pick. And I think it is a little dependent on the medicals. They need to clear. If he comes out being healthy and everything looks good, then awesome. But it will kind of be dependent on that. If he isn't healthy, I think the Giants look at Pitt's. I think they look at trading back maybe just a little bit, but that's obviously something that Gettleman doesn't typically do. And if none of those happen, I think you look at a cornerback like Caleb Farley or you know someone like that. And that's where I go. You know, I I, I think I think Jalen Waddle is my one. Obviously, Jamar Chase would be nice if he was there. If Devontae Smith was there and Jalen Waddle was there as well, I think I'd still go Jalen Waddle. But we'll see. So that's my way too early mock draft. And I think the plan is next week, maybe I will go 11 on and let's, let's get into some other picks and maybe I'll get into the players a little bit more. I know I didn't really get too deep yet. I haven't really gotten into that yet. I'll be honest, but yeah, I think that's the plan. So Thanks for joining me this week, guys. I hope you liked the interview. And I know this was kind of a short podcast because the the interview kind of took up a lot of that. But we'll talk to you next week and kind of go from there. Let's freaking go.